Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us here on the KRL, the afternoon news. We have a special guest today, the executive vice chair of TAMAC, Texas American Texas Association of Mexican-American Chamber of Commerce, uh, J.R. Gonzalez. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we were really excited to talk to you because you are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to Latinos here in Texas and are so connected with so many business owners here that are making a difference in their own communities, respectively. Um, we were interested in maybe picking your brain a little bit about the Latino buying power and that just the Latino power here in Texas what the latest U.S. Census has shown about our population growth and the mark that we continue to make here. Thank you very much. It's very significant, the growth. First of all, keep in mind that the U.S. Census from 2000, from, uh, from 2000 to 2010, the entire United States population grew in Hispanic population and Hispanics were responsible for 57% of that growth from 2010 to 2020 Latinos are responsible for 51% of the overall country's growth. Texas of course is one of the major states with a large Hispanic population at about 40 plus. We're always undercounted because um, that's the way the census works. But it's significant that the buying power of the Hispanic population has increased tremendously over the years, especially the last 10 years. We're looking at if you were to take the United States, all the Latinos living in the United States, and if they were to be their own country, we would have the eighth largest economy in the world. That's how quickly it's growing. And if you look at it over the past 10 years, about 32% of all new businesses that have been upstarts are Hispanic-owned businesses. That's a fascinating uh, topic, as fact, is startups for both small business and large business as well. How does how do the numbers break down? As well, far the, the startup, the, all the other businesses that grew in the, over the past 10 years, we're talking about 1% new growth. But in the Hispanic community, we're talking about a 32% growth there. So there's just this, this, this need, this entrepreneurship. And there are a lot of factors behind that, especially in minority businesses. But that is something that's um, occurring, something that there's a growth. The next key thing is the sustainability. Because if a business needs to make it past that, the first couple of years are very difficult. And once they make it past that threshold for the first five years, they should be doing okay after that. But uh, amongst minority communities, especially women, um, there is a entrepreneurial spirit. And some of it's just out of necessity, especially during the pandemic. 
I'm curious about that. It, it, is the data revealing the age range for these young entrepreneurs? Because I know here in the Metroplex, I've personally met a lot of uh, young brown entrepreneurs who are either first or second generation. Um, some of them are dreamers. Some of them have just um, gotten the education to be able to learn how to maneuver their own business, um, whereas their parents uh, were you know, struggling to make that mark. Have you seen that or any reflection of that? Kristen, I think it goes the entire gamut. You have a lot of young people coming out of colleges or starting a business as opposed to going and getting a post-secondary education. But at the same time, you have a lot of folks that are a little bit older um, that have had careers in businesses that ended up because of the pandemic, either losing their job or um, that business folded and they had to look for something as an alternative. And an alternative was starting their own business. When Entrepreneurs are starting new business, especially in the Hispanic community. What education, what training do, do chambers of commerce such as yourself give to them to, to give them that step forward, that step ahead in education? Well, we try to prepare our, our, our members as much as possible. Keep in mind different chambers across the, especially Hispanic chambers across the state or the country. I always say if you've seen one chamber of commerce, you've seen one chamber of commerce. Everybody does things differently, but a lot of parts, especially in Hispanic chambers of commerce, we try to provide uh, entrepreneurial training, small business training, and give that worker a better idea of how to run their business. Because you may make the best widgets in the world, you know, and you may make, make the best widgets, but if you don't know how to manage employees, deal with payroll, fill out all the taxes and all the paperwork and put in those uh, requests for proposals, I mean, it's a different ballgame. So... When you start a business and your business grows, many times you're not making those widgets anymore. You're spending all your time in an office dealing with personnel problems or taxes or issues or other things that may arise. So we try to prepare a lot of our members is to, if you're going to start a business, make sure you have a plan, make sure you have the funding. We go through the steps and try to prepare them of what to expect when they start a new business. Yeah, no doubt there are going to be continued challenges. It's pretty inspiring, though, that one of the biggest challenges that most business owners, you know, established business owners had to deal with was the pandemic. But this was kind of the birthplace for a lot of these um, young Latinos. Can you attribute any of the reasons to why? Well, one of the things is if you look at the um, Hispanic females, Latina-owned businesses, they're growing, you know, there's different numbers out there, anywhere from three to five times faster than any other market segment. And a lot of it's out of need and necessity. Um, you look at during the pandemic, as far as overall the United States, as far as black owned businesses, they just skyrocketed. They grew up, they grew like 38% um, during that period. A lot of it can be attributed to pandemic, loss of jobs, and all support of Black Lives Matter. So that was a rise where the Hispanic population during the pandemic maybe rose 14, 15% overall, but there was going into it, there's a lot more numbers in that. For example, in the state of Texas, you're probably looking at about a 12 to 14% uh, black population where you're looking at about an over 40% Hispanic population. In the state of Texas, our organization guesstimates that there's over, and this is conservative, over 700,000 Hispanic owned businesses in the state of Texas. So as the raw number is, um, Larger, the growth, you know, a 15% growth on top of that is significant. And the fact that our Hispanic population is growing, so is the entrepreneurship, so are the goods and services. In fact, the Hispanic, uh, Hispanic businesses in the United States are actually growing faster 
than the overall economy in China. Do Hispanic business owners um, feel the necessity to start their own businesses at a, at a greater level because of conditions that, that they might have seen at working for other major companies? That's a good question. I'm not going to say they have a need. I feel there's kind of a inbred, innate entrepreneurship. And then you're also looking at generational issues. If you look at somebody who is first generation, second generation, or somebody who may have arrived recently who had a business or a business background in another country, and then their kids, um, they see it. A lot of folks take on jobs from, and, and keep in mind, when you're talking about Hispanic-owned businesses or minority-owned businesses, it's not just all restaurants and landscaping. I mean, there's artists, there's graphic artists, there's lawyers, there's professionals, there's architects. I mean, it, it includes the entire gamut. But I'm looking at, there's a lot, because whether you like to face it or not, there's still some obstacles in this country. And a lot of folks, especially people of color, can only move up so so far. And then two, it's very realistic. If you're a minority-owned businesses, access to capital is much more difficult. And that's a whole nother story. So what I'm looking at, to answer your question, I think that there is not necessarily a, um, there, there, there's, the, there's the natural willingness to want to start a business, but some of it comes out of need because why should I do this for somebody else when I can do it on my own and make a lot more money and to be able to support my family in a a better lifestyle? You touched a little bit on the misconceptions of Latino businesses. Um, How does the rest of the state, um, what is the level of seriousness that they're taking on this growth? Is there any reflection of that? Uh, of You just recently went to a legislation summit. Um, are we seeing the higher beings here in the state, the higher ups, taking this into consideration? They have no choice but to take it into consideration. Let's look at the population of Texas. When I said conservative, you know, the Census Bureau always undercounts Hispanic population and people of color. This past year, even more so. With the census being cut off early, with the pandemic, there wasn't an accurate count. But even with that count, we're talking well over 40%. Texas, since 2004, has been a majority-minority state. But there's not a whole lot of talk about that. But now that the Hispanic population well exceeds 40%, let me ask you this question. If you're a business owner, if you're a politician, if you're somebody in any position of influence, you can't afford to ignore over 40% of the population in the state that you live in. That's your customer, that's your worker, that's your future uh, manager. You have to start paying attention to that. And as the Hispanic education level of young people are starting to to become more and more, the the educational attainment is, is growing higher, but also is the fact that a lot of these folks are either going and getting Uh, associate degrees, learning some technical training, and going out and starting their own businesses. So can it be ignored? I say no, because you have no choice. If you're going to be successful in business in the future, or be successful at anything, especially in the state of Texas, you need to make sure that you pay attention to the Hispanic population, its growth, and its needs. An article in Forbes talked about the state of entrepreneurship in the Latino community, and it points out one very large area is in the tech sector, and a lot of people underestimate that. Very true. One of the things, in fact, uh, right there in Dallas, you got a, a, a tech firm that I'm very impressed with. They are um, a digital marketing company, and their home office is based out of Nicaragua. And um, they're sitting over there, and they are just booming. They actually franchised 
um, digital marketing company, and they are just growing tremendously. You have uh, the one base there in Dallas has over 200 employees right now, and they're really growing. So technical, the, the tech industry is something that does not surprise me, because when you start looking at psychographics of, of Latino population, bells and whistles and technology has always been something that we've been attracted to. Um, you start learning at an early age, you start using it, you know, it's kind of like they're going, well, you know, Latinos and Hispanics were downloading stuff and, you know, a lot at a quicker rate earlier on than everybody else. It's just because you see those opportunities, start playing with the technology, but you're, you're absolutely right. As far as technology, in fact, you have another gentleman who um, lives in your area. His name is Angel Munoz, and he has a product called Beacon, um, and it's Beacon X, and he's about to come out. He is just a serial entrepreneur. The man has, has, he has gotten video technology platforms, such as the one we're on right now. And he's taken that to another level. He has four patents pending. They just offered to buy him out for 80 million. And he said, no, thank you. I'm still going. Uh, so there are a lot of Latinos in the, in the, in the high tech industry, not only in the industry itself, but being innovative and creating new ways of doing things. What is something that you would like to see change with all of this new information about, not new information, but growing information? It's not that this is anything new. This is just a continued um, progress. What is something that you would like to see change so that people are realizing this more? I think one of the things I like to see change is not so much, I mean, the facts are the facts. Growth is growth. What I'd like to see is more people become aware of those facts and not try to dismiss them or demonize an entire population because of rhetoric or something they see on a, a talking head on a cable news program. Because as you look at it, sure, any society has its issues, but as a Hispanic population continues to grow, and let me be very clear, the growth is not due to immigration. The majority of the growth is due to natural childbirth, uh, a growing population. In fact, the, the last census will show us that nobody's trying to cancel anybody out. The Hispanic population is, uh, average age is so much younger. Uh, Hispanics are, they used to be 27, now they're now about like 32, I think. Overall, Hispanic population skews much younger than the general market. And as far as the general market, or should I say, um, the white population, as they are actually getting older, they're having fewer, fewer children. So that actual population growth is on the decline where the minority population in this country is on the rise. So as you look at that, and it starts balancing out, and you're looking at the uh, the population, you look at the economy, you look at uh, future voting, all of it has to reflect around the population that you serve. And I think a lot of people are being resistant to the fact that the Latino and minority population in the state of Texas, in this country, is growing, continues to grow. There's not a darn thing you can do about it. You can build walls all you want. You can make all the new laws you want, but nothing's going to stop that growth. And a lot of people of color and a lot of Hispanics, as they see obstacles or barriers or those glass ceilings, especially for women, they're going the heck with it. I'm going to start my own business and be even more successful than the people I used to work for, because I'm the one who came to the table with the talent, with the, with the determination, with the skill sets and with the focus to get the job done. One thing you can't underestimate as well with Hispanic-owned businesses, the fact they're putting a lot more people to work than other small businesses. That's that's without a doubt. They're putting a lot of people to work, and not that it's um, done purposely, but a lot of times 
they'll attract other Hispanics to go to work there because they feel comfortable. At one point in my life, I owned a, uh, a private security and investigations company. I had about 110 employees and a large part of those employees were Hispanic, not because I was recruiting Hispanic workers. It's just that they knew that the owners there were Hispanic and there was those nuances and they felt comfortable and they knew that their chances for advancement um, and getting a fair shake were, were better than some other places that they could have went to work for. JR, is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know? I think what's important to, to remember is business is business and numbers are numbers. You can spin it any way you want to, but at the end of the day, Hispanics and in this state and this country are here to stay. Uh, some people will argue, and I will too, we were actually here first. But the point being is that we're becoming a very integral part of not only society, but the economy. Because if you look at it in the next 10 years or so, about 78% of the workforce in Texas is going to be Hispanics. How can you ignore, I mean, when 78% of your workforce is going to be people of uh, Hispanic extraction, there's just no way to ignore that. And because of that, there's going to be a natural growth for people to start their own businesses, to move up. So the facts are the facts, the numbers are the numbers. You look at them, I'm not saying you have to accept them, but it's reality. So I think what the important thing to do is let's learn to try to embrace it and see what we can do to work together where everybody uh, benefits as opposed to resist it and a bunch of unnecessary um, political and economic battles occur that are just that are just no need for that kind of stuff. That's JR. Let's, let's, find, let's find that win win. That is that's right. When they win, we all win. Right. <laughs> that is uh, the executive vice chair of Texas Association of Mexican-American Chamber of Commerce, J.R. Gonzalez, here on the Carol, the afternoon news. Thanks so much. All right. I'm going to end the recording there. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.